Good morning. Glad that you're here. This is a good day. Those of you that are watching from home, glad that you're here. Uh, we're we're going to hear from God's Word this morning. We're going to be talking about prayer. We're in this series where we're uh, talking about shameful audacity. Did I say shameful? Did I say that? I was trying to figure you all out. You know, some, some speakers have to work the crowd. In this case, the crowd works me, I guess. Works backwards. So we're going to talk about audacious prayer. And I looked that word audacious up because that's not a word we use very often. And I wanted to make sure I understood what it meant. And there's really two definitions for audacity. The first is willingness to take bold risks. I presume that's what we were thinking about when we used the word audacious. But there's a second meaning. The second meaning is rude or disrespectful behavior. That's kind of a negative. But as I look around this world, I think maybe we need to speak some audacious things to it. Because the world deserves a disrespectful world. A world that's disrespectful to God needs a little bit of disrespect from God's people. So we're looking at this concept of prayer using the adjective, what is it? Audacious. Audacious prayer. How to read my notes. Okay, the story that we're going to read, that we're springing from, is in Acts chapter 12. There's a story of some audacious prayer going on. And I want us to see this story because these stories that happened in the Bible times could happen today. We're the same kind of people, it's the same kind of world, and God's the same kind of God. Right? So why couldn't these things happen? So let's, let's read this story, Acts chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Uh, let me just stop right there because this is really where we're coming from here. Peter was kept in prison, that's bondage, that's locked up, he's lost his freedom. But the church, that's us was earnestly praying to God, not to each other, praying to God for Peter, because Peter's lost his freedom. Have you ever prayed for somebody that had lost their freedom? Or do we just ignore them? Going on with the story, verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing, or what, that the, what, what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. 
They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened to them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent the angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of Joseph, or the mother of John, excuse me, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. This is great faith at the prayer meeting. They were astonished. So looking at this story, I want us to, to uh, kind of apply it to our own lives, put a practical spin on it, because it does this, the, there are some practical lessons here for us as it relates to prayer. So I want to talk about prayer today, audacious prayer. And I got six principles. Here's the first one. Prayer works against political powers. Remember, it was the government that locked him up. It was the government that was suppressing. It was the government that was keeping the word back. And we can pray against political powers because they can be broken. Yes. I think in our country we need to pray against political powers that they will be broken. Yes, amen. Just be careful you're not plan, praying political prayers. There you go. We're asking God to set people free, amen. not just for us to have our way. There, there are two basic political views that are major for every Christian, should be. The first one is, is this idea of abortion. So that I can have freedom in my life, I will execute my baby. I will just get rid of the evidence. I will wash it away. We will just kill the next generation. That's a shameful thing. Every Christian ought to take that very seriously the next time we have an, ele- an, an election. We need to take that very seriously. Because God creates life. He values life. God's all about life. Amen. Here's the second. Do you know, how, what the, you know how many times the Bible talks about how we should treat the foreigner in our midst? That we're supposed to treat them just like a resident, just like they've always been here. Did you know the Bible says that over and over and over again? That ought to be a major issue when we go to the next election. How do we treat the foreigner in our midst? How do we? How, how, did, this, how did our ancestors treat the immigrants that came into this country? I'm so glad they allowed my ancestors to come in, because all my ancestors were immigrants to this country. Same with you. 
Those are two major issues. When we go to prayer, when we're, we're going to pray for the political powers in our country, we need to look at both sides of the coin, not just one. They can take away my vote, but they can't take away my prayer. So if the country goes the way I don't want it to go, and it, and it gets really hard for Christianity, I'm all the more excited because that's all the more opposition I get to go against. And I should be going against the flow. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I'm not supposed to go with the flow. I'm supposed to go against the flow. I'm supposed to be different. I'm supposed to be a life giver, not a life taker. Oral Roberts tells this amazing story back before he was famous on television. He was a um, uh, healing evangelist, and he would have these big rallies where people would come for healing. Kind of, you, you, you're, you are too young to remember Oral Roberts doing that, but it's kind of like a Billy Graham crusade. You remember Billy Graham. You know how it was. It would just, he, he had an ability to rally people and bring them to the faith. Oral Roberts had a healing ministry. He would have large crowds of people come to uh, big meeting places and he would pray for people, lay hands on people to be healed. One time, long time ago, back in the 1950s, that was a long time ago, he went to Formosa, that's now called Taiwan, and he had a healing rally in this big building. And all kinds of people came to hear Oral Roberts preach. Now, you know, Oral Roberts had to go through a translator. He didn't speak Chinese. So everything took twice as long when you're going through a translator. But he inspired everybody to believe God for bigger and better things. And so this place was packed out with people. This is Formosa, when Chiang Kai-shek was still there. Stop that. And uh, they had military guards all along the walls, all around the building. There were soldiers in uniform standing there with their rifles. That would kind of create a little bit of tension, wouldn't it? And all Roberts had an altar call for people that wanted healed. And this older lady came up that had a huge goiter in her neck, huge, just really stuck out. And he prayed for her, and she was healed, and that thing instantly disappeared. And everybody just kind of gasped as they saw this miracle happen. And the guards immediately left their positions, and they all rushed the platform, and they all rushed up front. And Oral Roberts held his breath, and he said, Oh no, they're going to take me home in a pine box. He was convinced this was the end as these guards came rushing up. And the officer in charge went up to the lady and she examined this saggy skin hanging down on the side. And there was nothing underneath it, just the saggy skin. And immediately all the guards, all the the soldiers pressed in and they said, pray for us, pray for us, pray for us. One miracle, one healing was all it took. And it turned the political powers around the other way. Could we pray for our country? That there would be a spiritual awakening, that something would happen, that some kind of a breakthrough would happen, and the stubborn resistance in the United States of America would melt away? I'm, I'm praying for that, that something would happen. I've seen our country change almost overnight. 
with 9-11, there was an attitude of being against the military from, you know, the Vietnam War days to all of a sudden everybody wanted in. Everybody wanted to be a part. Just that quick, the atmosphere changed. I'm praying that just that quick God will set things up that the atmosphere, spiritual atmosphere in America will change. There will be a hunger for doing things God's way. Here's the second thing I want us to learn. <clears throat> Prayer works without a leader. As far as we know, there wasn't anybody leading that prayer meeting. It was just a bunch of people who loved Peter, loved the Word of God, were concerned about him, and they were passionate about seeking God to intervene and help the person they loved, their neighbor. Do you know some people that are in trouble in their life and you care about? Wouldn't it make a difference if we spent time praying for them? Prayer works without a leader. There's no mention of a leader here. It just says they were meeting at somebody's house all night long, praying for Peter because they cared about him. It was a rally of impassioned people. That's all it was. We don't know how they prayed. We don't know how formal or informal it was. We just know they were seeking God. They were seeking God because they were in trouble. One-on-one prayer together. That's what a prayer meeting is. One-on-one prayer together with other people doing the same thing. Some years ago, we, we just got our first laptop computer. We'd always had one of those towers before. Now we had a laptop, which you could actually work on it sitting in the living room on your comfortable chair while the TV's going. So I had the laptop out, and I don't remember what I was doing. I was, I was playing with it, actually, just trying to figure it out. And my wife was sitting in the chair next to me. And she was on the phone talking to our daughter, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee. So the only communication they have is over the telephone, except when we see once or twice a year. So they were just chit-chatting. That's no big thing. And my wife mentioned to our daughter, she said, I haven't made strawberry pie in a long time. Next thing I knew, here comes up all these recipes for strawberry pie. <laughs> And I thought, what just happened? I didn't know I had a Siri or an Alexa or something on that phone that was listening in on the conversation. I wasn't talking. She was talking. And it thought she was asking for strawberry pie. So up come all these recipes. And I got to thinking, what if we understood that God was listening in like Siri is? Just waiting for us, just waiting for us to pray, just waiting for us to intercede, just waiting for us to get impassioned about something that we talk to him about. Yes. Just waiting. You know, there's what I call formal prayer and informal prayer. Formal prayer is is like when you you start out by saying, Dear Heavenly Father. And then you tell God what you're looking for, and then you say, in Jesus' name, amen. That's kind of formal prayer. Informal prayer is like the kind of prayer that, uh, I'm trying to think who it was. It was Peter. Peter prayed when Jesus invited him to walk to him on the water. And he began walking on the water until he saw the waves and started to sink. Then he kicked into his informal 
uh, prayer. Lord, help. That's informal prayer. When you're just crying out to God, you don't care about the introductions and you don't care about the conclusion. You just want to talk to God. You just want to pour your heart out to God. That's the informal prayer. And you can do that anytime. You can do that. You can have that kind of informal conversation with God. I want to encourage you. I, I want to challenge you to that because I don't think we should pray at prayer meetings. I think we should pray all the time, yes. unceasing. The purpose of a prayer meeting is having other people around inspires us. Yes. And I get to inspire other people. That's why we go to a prayer meeting. But I can talk to God anytime I want. You know, we talk a lot about how Christianity isn't about religion. It's about relationship. But what does that mean? have a relationship. I have a best friend that walks through, walks through life with me. And he knows what it is to feel pain. He knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to have enemies ready to stab him in the back. He knows what it is. You know what that is too, don't you? So why don't you talk to the guy who's already lived it and who's there? He's got your back. Just talk to him. One good way to learn how to do that, if you're, if you're sitting there saying, well, I, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know that I could pray. I want to challenge you. We have a prayer meeting that meets every Saturday morning from 10 to 11, except my wife just can't get done at 11. She leaves it. I want to encourage you to come on a Saturday morning. Just come sit in. Just watch and listen at how it works. It will pull you in like a magnet. God wants to speak to us. He does speak to yes. us. Yes. But we're so busy rushing through life that we're not listening to what God wants to say. Prayer works without a leader. Here's the second thing, or the third thing, rather. Prayer works without faith. Did you notice from the story we read that these people really didn't believe it was going to happen? They were astonished when they found out God answered. That tells me they probably weren't asking God to deliver him from prison. They probably were asking God to watch over his soul as he's about to be executed. And somebody would say, well, Peter, Peter had faith. That's, that's why he got out of there, because it was his faith. Yeah, well, you know, they locked Peter up after they locked up James. And they executed James. What about his faith? You see what I'm saying? It's not, not everything is the way it seems. James was a man of faith and ended up in heaven. Peter was a man of faith and he had little extra time left. Faith doesn't mean you're going to get out of your problems. Faith means God's going to help you through your problems. Amen. wants to walk through those problems with us. So the people were astonished when they saw that their prayers had been answered. Here's, a, here's another thing I've learned about prayer. Don't ever tell God how you want him to do it. Because he'll come up with another way. He never wants to do it your way. He wants to answer it a different way just to prove to you that you're not in the driver's seat. He is. So just tell God what you want him to do. Don't tell him how to do it. Because he loves to come up with new creative ways that you never thought of. Because he wants you to know 
He's a big, big, big God. And he doesn't want you or I or anybody else to put him in a box. He'll find a way to get out of that box and show us that he's always a little smarter than we are. Here's number four, the fourth principle. Prayer moves angels. You see, the reason, the way Peter got out is that an angel went into that prison. Angel wasn't afraid. The holy angel wasn't afraid to go into the prison to rescue him out of there. Wasn't afraid. Wasn't afraid he was going to end up in there. He had a goal. Prayer moves angels. Did you know there's angels all around us? I've never seen an angel. Nobody's ever really seen an angel. Listen, at at our story, did you see this? Nobody saw the angel either in this story. The angel was there. Even Peter didn't know it was an angel at the time. He thought he was having a dream. He didn't know it until after he was outside in the fresh air and the angel disappeared. Then all of a sudden he put two and two together and he thinks, oh, that was the hand of God. God showed up in my life. Sometimes angels are ministering spirits. I shouldn't say sometimes. They're always ministering spirits sent from God. God sends angels. You don't call angels. God sends angels. So you need to connect to God. And the only way to connect with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And the only way you're aware of Jesus Christ is through the Holy Spirit that lives inside a believer. The whole concept of God is at work in our lives today. We need to remember that. No one saw the angel. They just saw the results of the angel. You don't see angels, although sometimes people did see angels. So I'm not saying they can't be seen. Sometimes they did show themselves. But chances are you won't see an angel. I've seen the results of angels many times in my life, but I've never seen one. But I know they've been there because I see the results. Here's number five, the fifth principle. Prayer opens closed doors. This door, these doors come swinging open. The shackles fell off their hands. The gate at the front of the prison opened all by itself. Go figure that out. There is no logical explanation here. This was the hand of God doing something very unusual. God opened the prison doors. It's amazing. The problem is, Peter can't get the church to open their doors. He's knocking, knocking, knocking at the door. They won't let him in. He's standing on the outside. Prayer opens closed doors. I'll get back to that part of the story in a minute. But I wonder... Let's let this point sink in. Sometimes people can't get into the church. This, churches are famous for that. Strangers come in because they want to belong, and everybody ignores them. So they feel like they don't belong. And there's a, a, a set group of people who are the leaders of the church, and they're in their fixed position, and they've done the same thing for 20 years, and new people want to get in, and they want to serve God, and they want to belong, and they want to fit. 
but they're outsiders and they can't get in. My philosophy is if you want in, come on in. We're going to open a door for you. The people that have been around for 20 years are going to train you how to do it so we can release you to do it because people have been doing it for 20 years need to step aside. Somebody say amen. amen. A church cannot grow if we keep the doors locked. We've got to open the doors. That's what we're all about. The next generation of believers. Prayer opens doors for your family. Did you know that? One of the most important things in our lives ought to be our families. Not making money. It's our families. It's not getting famous. It's our families. Someday they're going to have a funeral for you. And if you could say a few last words in the few last minutes of your life, you're not going to be talking about all the stuff you've accumulated over your lifetime. You're going to be talking about your family. Family. And prayer opens doors for your family. Every mother and father and grandma and grandpa in this room ought to be praying for your children, your grandchildren, that God would open doors for them, that God would protect them. They need to be our prayer targets. Not only that, but prayer opens doors for your business. Maybe you didn't know that God's interested in you prospering, in you being successful, in you being a winner. God's concerned about that. So why would you not want to pray for your, the people that own the business where you work? Or that God would send more customers in? Yes. Or that God would somehow open this door or that door for your ability to make money? It's your, that's your business. That's what you do. We should be praying for our business. If you, can't, if you really can't pray for your employer because you're so mad at him, you need to get out of there. You need to go someplace where you can pray for your supervisors, for your bosses. And thirdly, prayer opens doors for your spiritual service, where you can serve what you can do for God, how you can help the body of Christ become stronger, build it up, strengthen it. Every one of us ought to have some area of service where we're helping somebody else grow, helping somebody else be stronger, helping somebody else break through and break free. We all need to do that. And prayer opens doors for that. And if it's locked up good and tight, the good news is Jesus has the keys. He has the keys. We need to talk to him. Oral Roberts uh, told another story uh, that I'll I'll share with you. When he was a boy uh, growing up in the prairie desert area of Oklahoma. He had a neighbor that lived right next door to him, and his neighbor was very poor, and they didn't have much money. Very humble family. And one day he saw them, saw a big oil rig pull up onto the neighbor's property. They began sinking a well. And they worked on that for a couple weeks, and finally one day they struck oil. All kinds of oil came out of the neighbor's property. All of a sudden, the neighbor wasn't poor anymore. All of a sudden, the neighbor had so much money, didn't know what to do with it. All of a sudden, listen, that oil was under there when he was poor. Right. That's right. 
Your blessing is there. It's just in hiding. We need to tap into it. Pray God helps you tap into the blessing he wants to bring into your life. And here's number six. This is the final point, and I'll close with this. Prayer needs to be repeated. If you get, a prayer, prayer, if you get your prayer answered, you don't need to pray again. But if you didn't get your prayer answered yesterday, you need to pray again. You see, Peter knocked on that door. They wouldn't open the door for him. The typical reaction is to say, well, I, I guess they don't want me here, and walk away. Peter didn't do that. He didn't take up an offense. He didn't see himself as a loser. He went back and knocked again. Hey, God just did something great for me. Wouldn't you like to hear what it was? Wouldn't you like to see what God just did? Wouldn't you like to have your faith build up a little bit? Open the door. So he's knocking again and again and again. I've learned in my lifetime I have to keep coming back and knocking again and again and again. Just because I didn't get an answer is not a reason not to pray again. We need to keep knocking, knocking, knocking. Don't take up an offense. Don't burn your bridge behind you. I've been in ministry now for a long time, several decades. One thing I've seen Christians do again and again and again is burn their bridges behind them. They're too proud to say, I picked up an offense, so they got to blame the pastor, blame the elders, blame uh, Mrs. So-and-so, blame, blame this person, blame that person, always blaming somebody else to justify why they are not going to be faithful. We need to stop blaming somebody else. God's a good God. So we've talked about audacious prayer. I hope you've heard something that helps you. Because God wants to hear his prayer. As a matter of fact, he's sitting up there in heaven just waiting on us. He won't do anything on this earth without us taking the action step. He does answer prayer if we call on him. But sometimes his answer looks like he forgot. Looks like he misunderstood what we were really asking for. The problem is, we need, we need our house cleaned up. So I'm asking God to do something for me. He's got to remove what doesn't belong. So he's got to take me to the woodshed. He's got to turn me inside out, upside down, so he can do what he wants to do. That's because he loves us. He's not going to leave us like he found us. That's right. He's going to take us on this journey. And I don't always like the journey. But the closer I get to the end of the journey, the more I can see what God was doing all along. When I was younger, I couldn't see that. Now that I'm at this point, I can look back and I can say, I see now what God was doing. So you may not see what God's doing in your life yet. Start talking to him. You talk to him, he starts working in your heart, starts working in your life. He'll bring you out to the other side, church because he loves you but he needs us communicating Christianity is about relationship not religion it's about relationship talk to him like he's your friend because he is and he cares about you he knows all the secrets you covered up really well he knows it and he wants to make you better wants to deliver you from that because he's got an awesome plan for your life really does 
Let's stand together. So what are you going to do with this challenge of prayer? What are you going to do with it? Where are you going to take it? What are you going to let God do in you? Are you going to stay where you are or you want to move? If you're going to move, you need to figure out how do we pray? How do we talk to God? We're going to sing one last song, and this might be an opportunity for you to take an action step toward the Lord.